So I'm asking for you tonight to put your hands together and give a really warm welcome to Pastor Jeff Johnson. He comes tonight. Put them in your pocket if you How about that? Well, Toronto Swan, I'm glad you're here today. You've come a long way. And uh, tell them that you're glad Jesus is here. Amen. And say again, I'm glad Jesus is here. I about lost my mic, dropped my Bible and everything all at the same go around. Help me, Holy Spirit. Say again, help him, Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, well, turn around and tell someone you have miracles coming your way. Lots of miracles, and uh, it is an honor to be back. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Uh, Go ahead and turn around and tell somebody, I've grown a lot, lot. and I've changed. changed. Isn't the Lord good? Let's hold our Bibles up, if you would. And we just come before you tonight, Lord, with a heart of worship, and we thank you for your presence here in the house tonight, and we ask your Holy Spirit to minister to us. We ask you to teach us the Word. And we pray that as we leave here, uh, we would be a people who would give you glory and give you honor. And I pray that my words are yours. And uh, we thank you for those that are here with us. And we speak blessing to those that are watching us tonight online. And we just declare by faith that we're so grateful for our relationships. And we pray, Lord, we never take our relationships for granted, but that we value them highly. And we thank you for all you've walked us through and what you've taken us through. And Father, we thank you for your healing presence tonight. And that that we come under an open heaven and that you will speak to us and you will touch us and encourage us. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, the title of our gathering the next few days is It is Harvest Time. And we say yes and amen to that. And uh, uh, I'm really glad to be here. And uh, I I just trust the Lord to do a great work. And I do my best to share what God has put in my heart. And uh, it's very refreshing to be back. It's harvest time. I want to just read a text that I might eventually get to over the next few days. And my my approach uh, tonight, uh, well, I'm just going to try to obey the Holy Spirit. But it might be a little different approach than perhaps maybe we were uh, thinking we might gather for. But uh, just remember, you have to love me. Say, you have to love me. And uh, so uh, uh, we, we have to love each other. The Bible says so. And we believe the Bible's true. I want to love one another. Uh, so uh, just go ahead and tell me now we love you, Pastor Jeff. Uh, it's a statement of faith before I get done tonight. Hey, I'm not here to correct or rebuke. At all, that's not my job at all. We've come to glorify the Lord and encourage the body of Christ. I do believe it's a season where God is opening eyes and God is opening ears. He's touching eyes, He's touching ears. I believe the body of Christ needs their eyes touched. I believe the body of Christ needs their ears touched. And I, I, whatever Jesus wants to touch, that's what I want Him to touch. I know that a touch from Jesus will change my life. And He knows what needs touched more than I do. I may think I know what I'd like him to do, but in reality, he knows what needs to be done. And I've walked with him long enough, and I know probably everyone here has, that we can trust him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so I just want to begin where possibly we might end up, and that is that God's a rewarder. And let's say it together, I have rewards coming. And, and I'm grateful for that. And I want to receive whatever the Lord wants to give me and be a steward of it. That whatever our steward would be useful in people coming to Christ, in souls being one, and that God would be glorified. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. You helped me before I roll off this thing. Now, you, you, have, a, you have a harvest coming. Amen. And in Acts chapter 1, if you want to turn your Bibles there, uh, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And a glorious uh, portion of Scripture that talks about Jesus after he has risen from the dead. He's seen for 40 days by his disciples, 12 different times in scriptures. And he's about ready to ascend to be with the Father. At a very critical time where the disciples that obeyed him, 120 of them, uh, will be in the upper room in a place of prayer, in a place of unity. And they're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They may have an idea of what that is, but yet they don't completely know. And after Jesus died... Even after he was risen from the dead, things had not turned out the way the church thought they were going to turn out. Many of them, their expectations were not met. And when the church's expectations aren't met, sometimes and most of the time, if not all the time, we don't react very well. We, re we, we uh, react instead of respond properly. Even the disciples, they just went back to fishing. Well, it didn't work out the way they thought. Let's just go back to what we used to do. But how many of you know once you meet Jesus, you just can't go back? Right. Nothing's ever the same. And the disciples on the Emmaus Road, they were disappointed. Things hadn't turned out the way they thought. And so they're leaving the area. And Jesus comes and walks among them. They're so confused. And a spirit of confusion was reigning at that time. They were disappointed in the way things had turned out that they didn't even recognize Jesus when he walked with them. He asked them, what's your conversation? What, what are you talking about? Luke chapter 24. And they began to look at him like he was from another planet, a, a figure of speech that we might use today. What do you mean, what are we talking about? How, aren't you aware of current events? Don't you know what's been happening and how many of you know they're talking to Jesus? He is the current event. He is the future events. He's everything. But they don't even recognize him. When they make reference of him, they don't even call him the Messiah. They don't call him the Son of God. They call him a prophet. He is a prophet, but he's much more than a prophet. And so their disappointment has caused them to react. But Jesus begins to walk with them. And he begins to minister to their soul. Say it together, to their soul. And how does he do that? He takes them to the Word. Now say it with me. He takes them to the Word and to the law of the prophets and to the law and to the prophets and to the Psalms. And he begins to reveal from the Word about himself as the Messiah. Now when he begins to take them back to the Word, they're going to come out of a place of confusion because the Lord is touching their soul. Hello? Yeah. 
and they're going to begin to think different. And when they begin to think different, they're going to begin to see different. And when they begin to see different, they're going to have different experiences. And so they, they reach a place where Jesus is going to go on and they're going to stay. And the Bible says they constrain him. Stay with us. Stay with us. Say this with me. Stay with me, Lord. Stay with me. Don't leave. And they break bread together. And when they begin to break bread together, their eyes begin to be opened. Now, if I were to, I've been ministering on this for several weeks now, but uh, the, the word I have from the Lord is that God is changing what we see and changing how we hear. Hello? Amen. So let's say together, he's changing, he's changing our vision and our hearing. Our vision and, our hearing. and we need to see and hear what God is saying and what God is doing. And he began to break the bread. And they remembered how he broke bread in John chapter 6 and other places where he broke bread, blessed it, and gave thanks. And when they realized this is the Messiah, say it with me, this is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And as soon as they got out of confusion into the word, fellowshipping with him, their eyes were opened and he vanished from their midst. So they turned back around and went to where they had just come from. They went to where the disciples were locked and hiding and in fear. They'd actually been arguing. Some, the women said, we, he's not here. He's, he's not dead. He's risen. And they thought they were telling a story. They didn't even believe it was the truth. And Jesus walks right into their midst. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And he does the same thing with those that were hiding as he did on the Emmaus Road. He begins to reveal himself through the word and their eyes were opened and they began to see different and they were hearing different. And the result was that they had a different set of circumstances because they were seeing and hearing properly. He begins to talk to them about the harvest that's coming and soul winning. And the Bible says, we won't go there. That's not our text tonight, but you can study it later. That their minds were changed. Their minds were actually healed. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so when we get to Acts chapter one, here we have Jesus about ready to ascend. And he's giving instructions to his disciples. And thank God he's given instructions to his disciples. Acts chapter 2, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Immediately, 3,000 people are saved. Let's say it together. These are glorious times. They're glorious times. And they, Acts 2.42, they go home to their homes. And they're going to gather at the temple at the porch, Solomon's porch. And they'll hear the apostles teach the word on a daily basis. They're going to break bread together, which I, may, I believe means they're fellowshipping together at meals. But they're also taking communion together. And they are praying together. Hello? Yeah. And when you begin to incorporate these four components in the body of Christ, it's a powerful thing. And there are miracles taking place. By the time we get to Acts chapter 3, we have a crippled man that's been laying there for many years. And he rises and begins to walk and run and shout and give God praise. Say it together. There are miracles happening. And this is a phenomenal time. And as a result of that, you get over to chapter 4, 5,000 more added to the body of Christ. The, the Spirit of God is moving in such a way that 
uh, we're seeing miracles. We're seeing signs and wonders and people are being saved. Let's say together, praise the Lord. And uh, this is a good time. It's a celebrative time. It's a marvelous time. It's a time that we all enjoy being in. But I'm not sure that it is the best of times. And so they're threatened. They will enjoy about eight years of miracles and supernatural events. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, they've been together for years. Josephus, the historian, tells us over two million people came to celebrate the feast. And a lot of them did not go home because the Holy Spirit was poured out. People were being saved. They were sharing their homes and their resources with one another. There wasn't a McDonald's. There weren't hotels. They needed one another. They had a glorious time of outpouring the Holy Spirit with a lot of fruit. And they were building, they were building relationships. Praise the Lord. Let's say it together. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. But now after this miracle, they're beginning to be noticed. And not everyone's happy. And so persecution comes. Now grab a hold of that and say it together. Persecution comes and they're threatened. If you don't stop using the name of Jesus, everything we're seeing happen is because you use the name of Jesus. We know who you were. You're just common men. You're not even formally educated. You're from the Galilean area, which is where 80% of all his miracles took place. We know you and you hung out with Jesus. Now you need to quit using his name because those demons knew if you stop using his name, nothing will happen. Now, if you keep using his name and now they're threatened, let's say it together. And now they're threatened. Now, if we had our choice, we'd rather be over here with a lot of miracles and supernatural events happening and everybody fellowshipping together and meeting on a regular basis to hear the word of God and breaking bread in our homes and taking communion together and spending time in prayer. If we could have voted, we would rather not have had the persecution. But without the persecution and the pressure and the threats, you won't have a massive harvest. And you and I don't get to choose, he does. Our choice is going to be, will I obey the word? Will I carry out the commission? Come on. Will I walk by faith? Come on. You're going to have a choice to make. Now, bear with me a moment. I want to challenge your thinking tonight because I believe God wants to challenge our thinking. And it's good to have our thinking challenged. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they just keep saying praise the Lord, especially if you don't like it. And, and they began to have a prayer. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. This is new. They have not experienced this yet. Behold their threatenings and grant us your servant, what? Boldness. Now grab a hold of that. We need boldness. This is a time of choice where I choose. And I want you to say it with me, I choose. And I thank God for the move of God at Toronto, the river move of God. That was a move of God where God chose. And people could get gathered together, get in the presence of the Lord and fall out, get drunk in the spirit, couldn't walk, couldn't hardly talk. Hello. And I thank God for, for uh, all our experience with all of that. But God chose that. 
Now it's a time where I choose. Say it with me. I choose. I choose to fellowship. I choose to worship. I choose to pray in my understanding. I choose to pray in the spirit. I choose to lift my hands. Let's say it together. Now's the time where I choose. I'm making a choice to obey the word of God and worship the Lord no matter what. Their prayer in threatenings and they're going to face persecution. They're going to face imprisonment. They're going to be tortured. They're going to be scattered. They're going to leave their homes, their families, everything they've known and go throughout the known world. And wherever they go, this prayer is going to be answered. Praise the Lord. Would you say this with me? God has a way of getting me to a place of surrender. Oh, I've surrendered. Yes. And you can tell us when and you can show it to us in your diary. But we're talking about now. Right now. Say together, right now. Praise the Lord. Yeah, but I'm old and I should glide. Well, you may be old, but you can glide on your rocker on the porch, but you're not going to glide with God. He has need of you. The Lord has need of you. Go ahead and tell somebody. The Lord has need of you. <laughs> Praise God. Now, Lord, you see the threats. Give us boldness to do what? Speak the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. And everybody say it. Amen. Say it together. I have the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. That means to give testimony of what your relationship with Jesus Christ and how it has changed your life. The Holy Spirit gave you power to tell other people, praise the Lord, about how your encounter with Jesus has changed your life. I got saved 52 years ago. I've come a long way from then. Praise the Lord. I've grown. I've changed. I tell people in my church, you know, I say, well, listen, I've, I've grown a lot in the Lord. I've changed. I'm becoming more like Jesus. People jump up and start shouting and praising the Lord and saying, amen, amen. And I'm like, you don't have to be quite so enthusiastic. <laughs> I've pastored some of them for 39 years and they're like, thank God. Some of the people have been on staff with me over 20 years or <clears throat> tell the younger generation, thank God now we live under the grandpa anointing. <laughs> Back under the dad anointing, we about all died. See, <laughs> I tell somebody I've made some progress. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And stretch forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Remember Mark chapter 16 and what we call the Great Commission. At the end of it in verse 20, Jesus says this, I will always be with you. Praise the Lord. And him being with us, he's going to confirm the word. Put your hand on your spirit, man. He's going to confirm the word of God in your spirit, man. So signs and wonders follow your life. I've had a lot of miracles in my life. I've served the Lord 52 years and I've had a lot of miracles and I try to weave those miracles as a testimony in with the word of God that's relevant to the message. And of late in the last year or two, a lot of the younger ones are like, well, I don't think I believe that. Now, uh, there was a young lady sitting in the back of the church and there was a man back there <clears throat> 
I had never seen him before. I don't think he'd ever been to church. And I'm preaching and I gave a testimony. And the man turned to this lady. He didn't know her. And he said, I don't believe that. I don't think that's possible. I don't believe that could happen. And the young lady said, I believe it. He said, well, how can you believe a story like that? She said, I was there. That's my dad. <laughs> He got up and walked out. That's unfortunate. Yeah, very. Very. And so I had a younger generation saying to me, well, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I believe that or not. I said, well, that's up to you. I'm giving you my testimony. I have witnesses and I'm alive and well. And I've been blind twice and almost dead nine times, including a year ago and, and two months. I'm a walking miracle. So are you. Amen. So are you. And so some of them were encouraging me, well, maybe you shouldn't tell your testimonies. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. Show that one to me. I'd really like to see that one where we're not supposed to tell people with the power of the Holy Spirit what meeting Jesus has done in our life. Now you show me where we're not supposed to tell people that. We are supposed to tell them in love. We are supposed to tell them in faith. We are supposed to tell them in humility. Hello? Then some of them had a brilliant idea. Let me tell you something about brilliant ideas. They're worthless. If it's not Bible and it's not God, it's worthless. If it's contrary to the kingdom of God, it's a waste of time, a waste of thought, a waste of breath, a waste of everything. Well, they said, maybe you should have it like a third person tell the testimony. I said, find that one for me. Find that one. So I started preaching along the line of Mark chapter 16, verse 20. The Bible said that in the Old Testament, God be with us. He'd never leave us or forsake us. Grab a hold of that. Turn around and tell us about it. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Welcome to a higher place in the kingdom of God in the New Testament. Turn around and tell us about it. Now, he's, he never, he's always with us. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus said, I will be with you always. Here's something else Jesus said. He said that I will confirm the word of God in you and signs and wonders are going to come out of you. Amen. I just kept preaching until those young people got sick of it and got tired of hearing about someone else's miracle and decided to believe God and apply the word of God and get their own miracle. Amen. And it wasn't very long until a young lady and mom got up there she said, I got tired of hearing everybody else's miracle. I started believing God and believing God for my own miracle. And I got a testimony to tell. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Say it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now say it with me. I have a testimony, I have a testimony. because I've met, Jesus, I've met Jesus and he'll change your life. And when you get baptized the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will come in here and give you a power to be a witness of Jesus and how Jesus changed your life. And this is their prayer. Give us boldness to share the word so signs and wonders will follow. And that's exactly what Jesus told them he's going to do. Praise the Lord. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of trials, in the midst of challenges in the church. Say it together. In the church. Help us, Lord. Say it together. Help us, Lord. Oh, yeah. 
Praise the Lord. And now they're being persecuted and now they're being scattered and they will go to known nations. They will go to known cities. And what happens? Where you go, people get saved. Where you go, people get healed. Where you go, barriers are broken down. Where you go, walls collapse. Where you go, the message goes over barriers of ethnicity, gender, age, education, finance, prejudice. Come on, somebody. Wherever we go, signs and wonders follow because of the power of God in our lives. Praise the Lord. Let's say together, praise the Lord. Now, we get over here to Acts chapter 6 in the middle of growth, all kinds of revival. We have persecution going on. And now the church jumps over in happy land of murmur. <laughs> they think they're being overlooked. They think there's prejudice in the camp. They're starting to point fingers. Nobody's praying until the apostles step in. And hello? And what do they say? Let's keep on murmuring. Dear God in heaven, help us. Murmuring should be so far from our thought life, so far from our actions, that it doesn't even seem possible that we would murmur and complain. Come on. Praise the Lord. Say together, praise the Lord. What do they say? Let's go to prayer. Let's say it together. Let's go to prayer. If the church prayed half as much as they murmur, we would be three times as powerful. It's a fact. Now let's pray. Let's find some men with the Holy Ghost that are wise, that have a good reputation and turn them over to this ministry. We need to stick to teaching the word and prayer because as apostles, if we don't get into the word and get into prayer, we're all gonna have a train wreck. And Stephen rises up. Say together, Stephen rises up. Thank God for Stephen. Say together, thank God for Stephen. Isn't the Lord good to us? It's amazing how good God is to us. Acts chapter 7. Now I want to go, let's go to Acts chapter 7 towards the end of the chapter. There are a lot of miracles happening and there's also persecution taking, taking place. Now I want you to say this with me. We're blessed around here. If we were in the book of Acts, we're the ones getting blessed. Welcome to North America. We don't have it rough at all. We just like to bellyache. We don't have it rough at all. We just murmur. We don't have it rough at all. We just gossip. We don't have it rough at all. We don't know what rough is. We don't even know the, the, the smell of it. Well, you don't know what it's like in Canada for two months, two years. Yeah, I do. And we don't have any problems at all. Three hundred and seventy-five million people, they tell us it's more than that, are starving right now. One third of Ethiopia is underwater. Some of our strongest, most powerful churches, the buildings are gone, and so are all the people. Dead. Floods. Severe, severe, severe drought in China. No food in in the southern part of China. They're dying on a regular basis. One of the apostles in one of the nations where we are, 
called me the other day weeping. Four of his pastors just starved to death. He didn't even know they didn't have food. Turn around and tell us about it. We got it made. We're over here in the land of abundance and blessing. And God wants us to move from being more of a professional murmurer to a man and woman of God of prayer. That moves in the power of the Holy Ghost to get something done. To shake the world. To ask God for boldness and faith to preach the word. Can I hear an amen? And asking God for signs and wonders to follow. Let's say it together. God is good. Not to mention Iran. Not to mention India. Not to mention Nepal. And many, many others. He preached a powerful message. He's a man full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. He's a, he's a, he volunteers to lead a food ministry in the church. He preaches a message and they drag him out of town and begin to stone him and kill him. People are watching. They lay their cloaks down at a young man's feet named Saul and they stone Stephen as he called on God. And he yielded his spirit to Jesus while he was dying from being stoned and martyred. I talk to several every week. Every week. And he kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice. First time we see it in the Bible since Jesus on the cross. Lay not this sin to their charge. He forgave them. While they're killing him, he forgave them. He has a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. His forgiveness will release Jesus to stand up and do something about the persecution in the church. They're asking for boldness to share the word, and it cost him his life. All it's going to cost us, someone might laugh at us. The only trial we'll have is not knocking them down. I'm working on that one. Six times Jesus got angry in the Bible, and yet he never sinned. That's one of the biggest mysteries I've seen in the Bible. How do you do that? I can't do that without him. And Saul consenting unto his death. Turn around and tell us about it. You got a harvest coming. Saul, you have a harvest coming. Saul, you have a harvest coming. And Saul is consenting unto his death. He promoted the whole event. And at the time there was a great persecution against the church was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. They hold their ground. They had to. If they don't, if they sin, it'll affect the entire church. If the priests yield to temptation and sin, fornication, adultery, drunkenness, no honor for the presence of God or the glory of God. Disobey the word. It will affect the entire nation. And devout men. Let's see. You mind standing up, young man? Got a bandage on your hand. That'd be you. Just stand there and kind of wave at me and smile. Like no one else is here but you and I. Anyone here that you like? <laughs> Who'd you point to? 
Who? Isaiah. Isaiah. Come on over here. Come on over here. Stand right there. Everybody pick up a rock. Throw it at him. Now fall down and die. It ain't a pretty sight. Just lay there. You want to get three other friends? Don't move. Dead men don't move. We're going to carry him to a grave. We're going to dig a hole and put him in it. Welcome to the church. We're asking God for boldness. We're asking God to give us boldness to share the gospel. We're asking God to have signs and wonders follow the word that's in us. Because the Bible said, Jesus said, I'll be with you always and I'm going to confirm the word of God through your life. A lot of miracles are taking place. Blind eyes are being opened. Some people are being healed and some are being stoned and died. And we're going to carry him to the grave. And you can rest assured. Pick five friends to help us. He may look skinny. He may look like he don't weigh much. But I got news for you. It'll take five or six of us to get him to the grave. Pick a few friends. Have them stand up. Stand up. Have his dad join us. Just stay right there where you're at. Just stand up where you're at. Stand up, Dad. Who else? Stay there. Mark? That's good enough. You think we'll remember carrying him and burying him? Stay there. And Saul made havoc of the church. A lot of the body of Christ right now is in a place of havoc like I've never seen. What I'm trying to get the church to do in some areas is to recognize because they think our havoc is related to that religion. In another nation, they think the havoc we're experiencing is related to that religion. In another area, they think the havoc we're experiencing is related to communism. In another area, they think it's Democrats. In another area, they think it's Republicans. So what I'm trying to get them all to see is it's not those three religions. It's not that political view, and it's not these parties. This is the Antichrist spirit, and we are in a war. And it's coupled with the spirit of mammon. I go like this. And God wants to open our eyes to what really matters and what the commission is and the harvest and what we're empowered to go do. Sometimes they'll be raised from the dead and sometimes they won't. And what we would like to see happen may or may not happen. It's related to what he's doing and what his will is. And we'll do whatever he tells us to do. We'll go wherever he tells us to go. He says, carry him to the grave. We'll carry him to the grave. We'll bury him.
and we'll weep because he's our friend. He says, raise him up, we'll raise him up. We'll celebrate with him because he's our friend. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, dead man, go back to your chair. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to carry him. They were scattered abroad and everywhere they went to preach the word. Remember their prayer? Grab hold of their prayer. Come on. And Philip went down. This all happened simultaneously. They're going to have a revival in Samaria. People are going to get healed. People are going to get saved. The apostles are going to hear about it. Then they're going to go down, lay hands on them. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they're going to deal with the spirit of sorcery. Then they're going to teach and minister about deliverance. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, let's say it together. God is good. God. And I want you to say this with me. There's a lot happening a lot simultaneously. simultaneously. Praise the Lord. Now, I believe the Lord at this point would just have me say this. Enjoy every moment that we get to work together. Never take it for granted. Enjoy every moment of it. Live it to its fullest. And everyone say it. Let's see, which one of you played the piano? Where's he at? Yeah. Come on up here, young man. Fire that thing up, if you would, and play softly for me. I know you're anointed and you can do it. A lot of people would be willing to serve and go play, but they don't know how. Praise God. Acts chapter 9. Let's turn your Bibles there. And Saul yet breathing threatenings and slaughter against the church. A man of power. Probably the greatest mind and one of the greatest scholars of the Old Testament of anyone we know. Maybe one of the best minds ever since Jesus and before him Solomon, but not better than him. It's our enemy. He's brilliant. He's a genius. He's doing what he thinks is right. He's completely convinced of it. Turn it down softly, young man. Thank you. He believes what he's doing is right. He thinks his thoughts are right. He thinks he's seeing accurately and hearing accurately. Breathing threatenings and slaughter against more of your friends, more of your family. If the Lord has to stay, you're in danger. And only you will know if the Lord will have you stay, but yet some of the church will judge you and tell you it's foolish for you to stay. And some of the church is going to tell you all to go, even though the Lord told you to stay. We live in a time frame where folks are judgmental no matter what you decide. Where are you going? The Lord told us to leave and go to Antioch. Okay, God bless you. Where are you going? We're staying, Pastor. Me too. Now let's embrace each other and love each other and break bread together. 
Because our decision is not our mission. Nor is it the banner we fly. Our mission is sharing Christ right there in Jerusalem in the middle of persecution. And you just buried one of your sons. And our mission is to share the gospel. The Lord told you to go to Antioch. Go on. You go with our blessing. And may the grace of God move in such a way we cross paths again together. In the meantime, we're being threatened. And Stephen set the right example. He forgave him while he died and breathed his last breath. Went to the high priest and got letters of authority to start going to the synagogues to find anybody that shared Christ. And now, Saul, you're going to get to have a harvest. A harvest of causing fear. A harvest of dividing families. A harvest of putting wives in one prison, husbands in another, sending the kids God only knows where. Probably slavery, if not death. Bring him bound to Jerusalem. He thinks he's doing right. He's convinced that his actions are the thing to do. In chapter 26 of the book of Acts, verses 9 through 12, you can look it up later. We're running short on time. He will stand before King Agrippa, approximately 62 years of age, after 40 years of ministry. He will stand before King Agrippa and he will tell him, I thought I was doing right. I persecuted and martyred, tortured, imprisoned anyone that spoke for the cause of Christ. I thought I was doing right, King. What'd you say is with me? God is opening eyes and he's opening ears. Right now. In the lost and in the church. Simultaneously. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not correcting anyone. And you know, we're spirit filled and, and we move, we have tendency to move in prophetic anointings at four different levels. The testimony of Jesus, the gift of prophecy, which is one of the 12 gifts, the Holy, nine gifts of Holy Spirit for edification. And those that are being trained as young prophets and prophetesses that have a mantle and those that will walk in the office. And we might think, well, I don't need my eyes touched. I don't need my ears touched. I walk with God. Maybe we need our eyes and ears touched more than anyone in this hour. As only he can do for us because he loves us that much. If I'd have been an apostle in Jerusalem and you say you and your family are going to Antioch and you and your family have just buried a son and you're going to stay, we'd all pray together and break bread and cry. And we'd ask the Lord for grace and courage to keep sharing Christ and doing what we do wherever we are, Jerusalem or Antioch. 
knowing that some of the body's going to look down on you because you stayed, look down on you because you went. You can't keep everybody happy. It's impossible. Because people are more in tune with their thoughts than the Holy Spirit and obeying the Word of God. Everything's about to change. In the lost and in the church. Because of the presence of God. Come on. Everything's about to change. Because of the presence of God. That's the business God's in. Welcome to the Emmaus Road, the ones leaving. Welcome to Jerusalem, the ones staying. Jesus did the same thing for both groups and everybody had a revelation, came back in the miraculous, started winning souls. Before COVID, now this is important, authorities, well-trained, educated, and knowledge of the subject using research that's valid tell us that in North America, in America, and probably very similar here in Canada, we have a lot of similarities in our culture. We have a lot of differences too, but we have a lot of similarities. Three years ago, 12% of America had emotional mental problems. They're real, and we should have compassion towards them. They need help. 36 months later, the same professionals, and this is old research, and I think it's higher now, tell us that 57% of America has emotional, mental, serious conditions now. Over 400% increase in 36 months, and our professionals are overwhelmed and cannot begin to keep up. The demand for them in the school system with grade school, middle school, and high school is overwhelming. They've lost two to three years of their life. Their socialization and their education. Current research from people that are scholarly, and this is their topic, and they know what they're talking about, with valid research, and that's very important language today. Tell us in America that all Americans between 20 and 30, 83% are on medication to help their emotion and their mind right now. The devil is out to destroy your mind. Paul thought he was doing right. He wrote a letter to Timothy, his son of the faith, chapter 1, verse 15. Timothy, I want to tell you something. I was the chief of all sinners. I was the worst of all. No one was worse at it than me. I persecuted the church. I, I martyred the church. I thought I was doing right. But an encounter with God changed me. 
changed my thinking, changed my life, changed my destiny. When I was thinking wrong, my harvest was I caused fear. I caused chaos. I broke up families, tortured and imprisoned people, made them deny Christ or die, and I killed people. But God changed my thinking. Welcome to repentance. Repentance is a precious gift from God, a foundation stone in the body, Hebrews 6, the body of Christ. What is repentance? Turn around and tell somebody, thinking different by the grace of God and looking to God. Now, I'll try to close here in just a few minutes. I want you to say this with me. No condemnation. That's, that's not what I'm here for at all. I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm telling you, folks, God wants to open our eyes. And God wants to open our ears to hear. And out of that will come faith. And faith connects us to the existence of God and his rewards. Praise the Lord. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about a light from heaven. The glory was there. He fell to the earth. In his testimony to King Agrippa in Acts 26, he said, everybody, everyone fell down. Everyone fell out. No one could stand up. It doesn't say they fell off a horse. It says they fell to the ground. Whatever they were doing, whatever, however they were moving about, they wound up on the ground. And God was speaking to this man. He fell to the earth and he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul never met Jesus, but he persecuted the church. And when you persecute the church, you're persecuting him. When you complain, murmur, and judge the body of Christ, you're judging him. Who are you, Lord? He got saved right here. Now, you may have a different theology, but listen before you argue in your mind and study later. He got saved right there. And he could write later in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10. Here's how you get saved. You believe in heart and confess with your mouth and rely upon Jesus Christ and all he did for your salvation and you can have eternal life. He's writing about his own experience right here when he met Jesus. I want you to just go like this. An encounter with God will change your thinking, make you current, and change your life. One of the mistakes in the river was that we did not allow that Acts 9 Damascus experience to change us. And we think we can go on fornicating, committing adultery, be perverse, just get right up off the road like nothing happened. And the church needs a purity like Joshua had if they're going to win this battle. Trembling, shaking, astonished. Lord, what do you have me to do? Get up. Church, I'm going to tell you something. God's getting ready to tell the church to get up. And go in the city and he'll be told what thou must do. And the men were speechless 
I heard a voice, but saw no man. Say it with me. God's touching eyes. God's touching ears. And Saul got up. And when his eyes were open, he was blind. He couldn't see. And they had him leading by the hand into Damascus. He thought he'd go in one way, but he's going in different than he thought because he's had an encounter with God. And when you have an encounter with God, you change your life. I think the church needs to look in the mirror that pastor spoke of during worship and say this with me. I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. Let's go fishing. This is a waste of time. You go ahead. I want to stand and watch that rock. Let's just leave town. Nothing worked out like we thought. Rome's not leaving now, and I don't get to sit at his right hand and tell everyone what to do. No, thank you. I'm staying right by this rock. He said he's coming back. I want to see it. But none of them were at the rock. He was there three days. He did not eat. He did not drink. He's fasting. He's waiting on God. Now look at this. There was a certain disciple. A what? A disciple. Everything you need to know about the Holy Spirit is in the Bible. Everything you need to know about speaking in tongues is in the Bible. Everything you need to know is in the Bible. Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said this, Behold, I am here. Say with me, I am here. here. At least five times in the Old Testament, Here I am. Say with me, Here I am. I'm a servant. I'm yielding to you. I don't know what you want, but whatever you tell me to do, I'm ready to go do it. Samuel, 12 years of age. Listen here. God's going to wake up and speak to a younger generation now. Arise, get up, go to Straight Street in Damascus. Uh, Hello? Inquire of the house of Judas. And one of them, there'll be several on that street, will have a man in there by the name of Saul. He's from Tarsus and he's praying. He's had a vision. He saw you. Come in and put your hands on him so his eyes could be open. Here's what the Lord told Saul. Go on in and it'll be told what you should do. And Ananias answered, and here's what Ananias said. Lord, I heard. Say it with me. I heard. heard. Well, what'd you hear? He's going to tell the Lord what he heard. Jesus didn't ask him what he heard. Jesus told him what to do. But Ananias wants to tell Jesus what he heard. I got news for you. Jesus doesn't care what you heard. And what you heard will hold you back to what he wants you to get up and go do now. Because what he's telling you now is for now. And everything you heard will hold you back. Because Acts 9 verse 5 has happened and changed everything. An encounter with God has changed everything and nullified all that you just heard. Well, I want to tell you what I heard. I heard about this man. All is evil. How he persecuted the church. He has authority from the chief priest to bind everybody in his name. 
verse 15, what's the Lord say? Let's talk about it. No, I'm really concerned for you. Let me hear all your concerns and worries and tell me everything you heard. No, here's what the Lord tells him. Get up and go now. Because what you heard doesn't matter. Can I hear an amen? amen. Say it with me. What I heard, what I heard doesn't, doesn't matter. It's not any longer true. And most of the church have heard so much, it's not even true. It has nothing to do with now. And God's opening up Saul's eyes, although he's blind. And he's opening up Ananias' eyes, and he can see. And God's correcting the disciples' eyes and ears to be current with a fresh experience. Go thy way. And let me tell you about this man. I'll give you a word of knowledge. He's a chosen vessel to bear my name, to go to the Gentiles before kings and to the Jews. I will show him great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went, put his hands on him. Did he prophesy over him? No. Did he tell him how to get saved? No. Brother Saul, say to Brother Saul, you don't call someone a brother that persecutes the church. You only call someone a brother that's born again. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you on the way here, came and sent me <clears throat> so that you could receive your sight. And that's what the Lord said to him. And that's what the Lord told Ananias. Praise the Lord. And say, and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost unless you're saved. And Ananias never told him about getting saved. He laid hands on him so he could be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And have his vision. Say again, God's touching eyes. And Ananias went. And immediately there fell from his eyes scales. And he received his sight. And he rose and he was baptized. I want you to say this with me. Saul. Paul. You have a new harvest. Saul. Paul. Now you'll have a completely different harvest because you had an encounter with the Lord. And God is on the move. Expect the least, the people you expect to hear from God, the least expect them to hear from God soon. How to hear this? through the church. Who told him all this? The church. Who told him all about Saul of Tarsus and persecuting the church? The church. The church was communicating old news that wasn't accurate anymore. Because they're not current in hearing and seeing. The church is communicating false information because it's not related to the current experience of God and what God has already done. 
how do we know that we can trust him? Because he'll get up and be baptized in water as well and start preaching Christ right in the synagogue. They'll try to kill him. Then he'll go to Jerusalem and then he'll go to the world. He'll tell King Agrippa about this in Acts 26. And I'm going to close here in a minute, turn this over to Pastor, but whereupon, whereupon, verse 19, 26, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I've had a whole lot of people try to tell me what to do the last three years. <laughs> and that's what I do. I try to have a good attitude and rely on the Lord to help me. Because everything we do in the walk of faith in the kingdom of God, only walk of faith in the kingdom of God pleases the Lord and it must be on the pathway of love, Galatians 5, 6, agape love. I'll tell him, you show me where he told me to do that. You should this, you should that. You should support this political agenda. Show me that one. And I tell him, he didn't tell me to do that. Neither does this. But let me show you. I can take you right to the word where he told us what we should be doing. I want you to say this with me. I want to do what he says. Let's all stand together. God is opening the eyes of the souls of Tarsus. And God is opening eyes of the Ananiases. And God wants to move us from what we've been talking about to what's current in a fresh move of God. And that our hearts and our language, our prayer would be for boldness. Share the word everywhere we go. And all the church said, Amen. And now Saul, say with me, now Saul, you will have a different harvest. People will no longer fear you in the church. When you leave, and when you leave Ephesus and you head for a couple of years of trials and persecution, and martyrdom, when you leave, they're going to hug your neck and weep over you. They're going to beg you not to go because the Lord will have shown them this is the final lap of your race of life that you will write to Timothy about and call it a good fight. And Timothy will understand because you taught him earlier, fight a good fight of faith, and you've demonstrated it in your life. And a good fight means it's the fight you win. It's the fight that he takes you into because he's the Lord of the battle. It's a battle that belongs to the Lord. That's why this is a good battle. So I'm going to close and I'm going to, we're going to pray. Pastor will come and we'll open up the altars and we'll minister tonight. And I, I just wrap this up and say, the church in America, in North America, must move past what we've heard. And we must stop talking about old news that's no longer relevant. 
I went in to press in to his presence that makes everything fresh. And the Holy Spirit is at work making fresh. Praise the Lord. We have an awesome harvest. Paul, your life will never be the same. Where people were tortured, now they'll be healed. Where they were bound, now they will be free. Where they were separated, now they will be drawn together. Where they lost all hope, now they will have hope. Where they had fear, now they will have faith. Where the church was scattered because of you, they'll be joined together now because of your experience with God. And the Barnabas will come along an anointing of encouragement and introduce to us those that have been changed in the presence of the Lord. And we will begin to celebrate. And our song will be different. Our actions will be different. We will not be the ones trying to kill Saul, who is now Paul. We'll be the ones lowering him in a basket to make sure he's safe and can go ahead and fulfill his commission. I didn't abandon what you told me to do. Grab hold of that. I believe God wants to encourage the body of Christ to review what God has told them to do. And King Agrippa, verse 20, I went all through the coast of Judea to the Gentiles, and I looked for these things, that they should repent, change their thinking, turn to God, and do works, fruit of repentance. And everybody said, Amen. So I want to say this together. Tonight, tonight. is a night of healing, night of healing. a night of deliverance. Tonight, tonight is a night of fresh move of God, fresh words, fresh life that will supersede the news that's old. What made it old? What made it obsolete? It's before the move of God. And now everything's changed. We help a lot of believers in Ukraine. We help a lot of believers in Russia. Well, why do you go help people in Russia? Why do you go help people in Ukraine? Because I don't have any enemies. And I'm not involved with politics. My assignment is to share Christ and let everybody know on that side of that line God loves you and has hope. And let everybody know on that side of the line, God loves you and have hope. But there are enemies. No, they're not my enemies. The gospel's for everybody on both sides. And I'm going to try to obey the Holy Spirit here, but... church is too quick to judge. I can't believe those missionaries just up and left Ukraine. I can't believe those missionaries stayed. What's wrong with these people? I believe God had some leave and God had some stay. We should love them all, support them all, 
God sent some to minister to the refugees and God sent some to minister to the war torn. And we're all one in Christ. And whatever God told you to do, I want to support it. And whatever God told you to do, I want to support it, even though they may be completely different. Our decision, our assignment is not our mission. Your politics are not our mission. Your view of vaccines is not our mission. The gospel is our mission. And that is our banner. Will always be our banner. Turn around and tell somebody, I can't believe Saul got saved. And really what we should be saying is, I do. Say it with me. I do. I heard the testimony of Stephen from the ones that buried him. I saw the tears. Stephen saw the Lord and forgave. That's right. So Jesus could step into the life of the one that martyred your friend. I expect that. Grab hold of that. That's what I expect. Who's the Saul in your life? God's opening eyes. God's opening ears. My second grandson, second born grandson, called me the other day. He's in college. He transferred. And uh, he'd been raised in church. He knows God. He's saved. Grandpa? Yes. He said, uh, can I come up to your house to bring a bunch of my friends one weekend? Sure. We all want to go to church. Praise the Lord. And would you baptize me? I'd like, I'd like to be baptized. And my friends, we want to learn about baptism and they want to see me get baptized. Say it with me. God's opening eyes. God's opening ears. It's time to not think Saul of Tarsus gets saved and begin to expect it. It's time to expect God to open Ananias' eyes. And his name means grace. And the first thing Saul of Tarsus saw was grace personified. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Now we're going to worship. Pastor will give his instructions. I wouldn't be in a hurry to go anywhere tonight. I'd come get hungry for the Lord and just get in his presence. And his presence is what? Newness of life. And we're not going to see the same or hear the same again. We're starting over. Say together, we're starting over. And it's an awesome time. Thank you. God bless you.